What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode 76 of the Antler Up podcast. On today's episode, Dimitri and I sit down and have a conversation with Eric Varis of Late to the Game Outdoors. Eric began his hunting and outdoor adventures a little later than some of us. However, that hasn't stopped Eric from diving deep into the world of the great outdoors. Eric lives in Arizona where he loves chasing deer and elk. And in this podcast, he shares what got him into hunting, why he loves it, archery, successful and fun hunting stories, and the book he decided to write to help new hunters young and old. Eric was a great guest to have on and a great dude overall. That I encourage you to all check out and sit back and enjoy this fun episode. Thanks again for all your support and antler up. Before we get into this week's episode, we're excited to introduce a new weekly segment to the podcast. At the halfway mark of each episode, we will be sharing a Vortex Nation highlight. We hope you enjoy this new edition and we're looking forward to our listeners to getting involved. And before we get into this episode, let's thank our partners over at OnX. OnX Hunting App is the number one hunting app you can download, whether you're dropping waypoints, tracking, seeing the distance between bedding to a food source. OnX has everything and more to have you covered in the woods. Also, don't forget when you sign up with an elite membership, you get exclusive member benefits from Top Rut, Exo Mountain Gear, Vortex, and more. Go download OnX Hunt app at onyxmaps.com. Also want to thank our partners over at First Light. Right now, you are able to get your hands on the new whitetail-specific Spectre camo. Spectre uses First Light's nature-based algorithm found in Fusion and Cypher to create large-shaped disruption for whitetail hunters. I recently got the new Solitude vest in, and man, I'm pumped to put this to use come fall. It has the same features as the Solitude jacket, which I absolutely love, but just in the vest style. This adds a major versatility to your whitetail gear. You can wear it as an outerwear piece or as an insulation piece. Excited to see what's coming more down the pipeline from First Light. So check them out at firstlight.com. Also, 3D season is upon us. Hunting season is fast approaching. Now's the time to put in your order for a brand new set of strings on your bow. And if you're in need of a new set, we trust America's Best Bow Strings. We have a Platinum Series set on all our bows. We love the quality and the performance. And best of all, the people behind the product. Hand built in the USA since 2006. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. Let's get into the episode with Eric. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for the support. Till next time, Antler Up. So, Eric, if you want, go ahead and introduce yourself, okay, cool. you know, where you're coming from and uh, what, what you're up to with uh, Late to the Game Outdoors and, you know, just kind of briefly dive into that. Maybe we could, we'll dive in deeper as the podcast goes on. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Eric Voris. I run Late to the Game Outdoors, uh, based out of Arizona. I live in the Phoenix area, which is uh, well, it's June right now, so it's a miserable place. Uh, <laughs> but I'm currently sitting up in northern Arizona, which is where we come to escape, and uh, where I come to hunt a lot. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm an adult onset hunter. I believe is the technical medical term. Um, never, never. As far as I know, growing up, I didn't even know a hunter. Like it was just not a thing. Uh, and then I met a, the beautiful woman who's now my wife and her dad had a, you know, the den full of heads, which to a new, uh, or completely non hunter is the scariest thing you could ever encounter. <laughs> Thinking is your head's going to be a large man whose daughter you're dating, who clearly knows how to kill stuff. Uh, but he, I, he just took me under his wing, welcomed me the, the Christmas that I was engaged to my wife. 
Uh, I just opened up a box that had a camo shirt and a cow elk archery tag stuffed in the pocket. And he was like, we're going hunting. And looking back, the level that I had no idea what I was doing is absurd. <laughs> uh, like I, I wouldn't let me go into the fields knowing what I know now, but, uh, man, it, it was, it was an awesome, awesome trip. And, uh, it, it started, you know, this obsession that has taken over as it does for so many and just, uh, kind of developed in me this this desire to help other guys that I, I keep running into more and more guys in my shoes who had no background in hunting and just like something came over them later in life and they wanted to get into it and it just feels like you're so far behind the curve yeah uh so trying to just produce content that helps lower that perceived barrier to entry and just kind of be real about sort of the struggle of the journey uh when you're making mistakes that most other guys seem like they made when they were 12 right. and you're you know 30 something and you're still doing dumb stuff well, I think that that never changes. Yeah. I, and I think a lot of new hunters, especially adult onset hunters, think that, that, you know, they shouldn't be making those mistakes. But I think, you know, if a lot of people that maybe be new should realize that, you know, you're going to make dumb mistakes no matter how old you are, whether yeah. you're, you know, been doing it for 60 years or if this is your first year doing it. And I think, you know, maybe as an adult, a lot of people are kind of timid to starting hunting because of that aspect. And I think, you know, I think we need to relay to them that, you know, it's okay to make mistakes, especially early on, because you're going to be doing it way down the road anyway. Well, that's the beauty for podcasts and, you know, you know, writing a book like you did, and we'll get into that, but it's an education platform. Uh, Eric, I'm a teacher. Dimitri's a physical therapist, but has an education background as well. That's what, that's why I love doing it because you know, we're hopefully getting someone on like yourself or other individuals, especially people that are having a lot of success in the field where they could, you know, uh, educate not only us, but other individuals as well. And that's what it's about. And like Dimitri said, as soon as you were talking about that, I was thinking that I'm like, man, I make mistakes every single time I go out there, whether it's, oh man, I forgot <laughs> this or a situation during a hunt. It's, you know, it happens. <laughs> it happens all the time. Uh, and I think there's, Fortunately, I th think with, you know, the, the YouTube social media world, like it, it, everyone's got, it, it seems everyone has a, you know, a YouTube channel and Instagram now. Uh, it seems like there's more and more guys who are just being real about, mm -hmm. you know, they're putting out hunt films where they didn't get anything They're all, all that stuff. Uh, but I think early on in the days, like all you saw was just the highlight reel and the, yeah. you know, the compilation of kill shots. And you're the guy who's like, I've been out 16 days this season and I haven't seen a single buck. Yep. Uh, um, and so I, I think that that gap is like starting to shrink, fortunately, to help guys feel like, OK, it's not just me. If I stick with this, I'm, I'm going to start to figure it out. How about you talk a little bit about that first hunt that you were going on? Maybe talk about uh, what kind of things you were getting involved with with your father-in-law uh, before that hunt. Maybe you were shooting with him or any stories that you could tell for, for someone and how you're feeling about hunting at that time. Um, and then lead up into that story of that first hunt and then kind of the process of uh, your feelings before and after that. Yeah. Uh, oh man. Uh, such good memories. Um, that, uh, yeah, I was my only outdoors exposure is I was a boy scout for a few years. Um, rest in peace, boy scouts of America. But, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, I think were it not for that, I probably never would have spent a night under the stars my entire life. Okay. Uh, and so I wasn't totally like 
you know, I, I felt okay. Okay. I'm heading into the woods. I've got a compass and like a little GPS. Like I can, I can figure things out. I'm not going to die out here, but in terms of hunting, uh, he gave me that. And then sort of the summer, uh, actually right up here where I'm sitting right now, uh, he set, tried to set me up on his first ever bow. So we, we had archery cow elk tags, um, he was shooting at the time. It was like a new Matthews and it, it might've been the first PSE they ever made out of the thing was ancient, uh, it, flinging, you know, aluminum arrows. Uh, I, I just knew nothing. And at the, at the time I was a super skinny, scrawny guy. So he just kept, I remember him just continually, like I would try to draw it back and he would dial back the limbs. I would try again. Like it was embarrassing how many times he had to turn those screws before I could finally draw the thing. Uh, cause he, he's just a beast of a man. I don't know what it was set at, but it was not something I could draw the first 90 then, pound bow. <laughs> yeah, probably it was, it was nuts. Um, and then just got me to where basically I think I could hit a basketball size at like 30 yards was sort of my max. Yeah. Um, and I remember we would go scouting a little bit to the area. We kind of set up a brush blind for me to sit in. He likes to hunt elk out of a tree stand up here. So we went and hung his stand and then kind of built my blind and I remember he t I didn't even have a rangefinder, so he just took flagging tape and would mark off, okay, here's 10 yards, here's 20, here's 30, and then his exact words were, if it's farther than 30, you probably shouldn't shoot, <laughs> um, which, which probably doesn't sound crazy. I know in a lot of, like, you guys are further east, yep. white tails. I know shots are a lot shorter. Um, out here in the wet, we call it, you know, when things go western, and uh, we have our <laughs> pins set out pretty far because uh, that's just the nature of the beast. But back then it was, okay, if they're past this last flagging tape, don't even think about it. Um, and so I was, I was beyond excited, but, uh, again, just looking back, I, I, I didn't even know broadheads were a thing. I just showed up for the weekend of the hunt and he was like, Hey, I, I changed the heads on your arrows. I'm like, Oh, okay. What is, why? <laughs> it's like, well, cause you, you have to hunt with these now. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, just, just no idea what I was doing. And, uh, so we just had a weekend to hunt and man, I, you know, it was kind of classic wake up way before dawn, hike out in the dark. Uh, which I think that was the first time I ever did that in, in Boy Scouts. We did a lot of like group stuff, but like that, Hey, put a headlamp on and just head out into the dark woods while bulls are starting to scream. Like it was a little, Oh, maybe I will die out here. <laughs> and, uh, he just kind of, he dropped me off at his blind or, or at the blind he built for me. And we were just, he just kind of pointed, he's like, Hey, there's this, this little draw over here. They usually walk in that way. Uh, so just, you know, sit here, keep your eyes open. And his, tree was you know another mile or so into the woods and he just walked off to sit there and so i just sat down facing the direction he told me uh just bow sitting next to me like okay just wait for wait for an elk to show up i guess uh and that very first morning i i was just staring in that one direction i don't even remember kind of looking around i was just looking okay they're coming from here uh because again no idea what i didn't know and uh we woke up real early so i started to doze off yep. um which uh, was embarrassing at the time, but it happened. And uh, man, I, I'm awakened by this sound that I've, I just couldn't imagine. This bull screams right behind me. And so I slowly turned my head and my blind was right up against a barbed wire fence. So they like this bull and his six cows had just come up to this fence and he just screamed and they are 10 yards directly behind me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, just, I mean, I'm waking up. I'm, I don't have any idea. Okay. Now all I have to do is drop to my knees, rotate 90 degrees, take an arrow out of the quiver, knock it. Cause I didn't know that had to be done too. Uh, you know, draw all these steps and then just pick any cow and send an arrow. 
And, you know, sure, I got through like one and a half of those steps before they realized something was up and they jumped the fence and took off never to be seen again. Um, and so then I'm like, okay, this is awesome. And also my first big lesson, hey, elk will come from whatever direction they decide they want to come from. Uh, maybe keep your head on a swivel. And uh, my father-in-law came back to kind of pick me up after the morning and just kind of asked how it went. And I started excitedly telling him the story. Oh, they were right there. And he bugled. And every point of the story, he just kept asking questions like, wait, you fell asleep? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I fell asleep. And then I get to like the shop party. He's like, wait, you didn't have an arrow knocked? Like, no, you didn't tell me I had to have an arrow knocked. I didn't know. Uh, I could just see in his eyes. He's like, man, this, this kid has so, so much to learn yeah. that I'm going to have to teach him. Uh, and, and that was the closest encounter I had all weekend. We, I mean, we hunted for the next three days and even kind of got out of the blinds and tried to creep in on some, some cows and, uh, didn't connect on anything. He had a buddy hunting the same area who shot a cow the first day. And so I got to go like help mm -hmm. at that point in my career was just like, hold this leg while he's cutting <laughs> it up. So that was like my first exposure to that whole process. Um, and man, it was just, uh, it, it was crazy and, and awesome and just sort of built the, the whole thing built from that first hunt all those years ago. Now, was there any resources that you kind of relied on leading up to that hunt? Like, was there any videos or, you know, was it any magazines or articles that you were kind of looking at to kind of get prepared for that hunt? Or were you just kind of going off what your father-in-law was telling you? Yeah. At that point I was completely just letting my father-in-law be the guide. Like okay. he just, whatever he said is what I was going to do. And uh, from gear to where we're going to times and uh, like, I just, I, whatever. Okay. You're, you're the boss. Um, and even the next few hunts, he would just, most of our stuff out here is draw system. Mm -hmm. There's only a couple of kind of every year over the counter stuff you can do. And, uh, so it was pretty much just every year he would put us in for the draw and then he would let me know like, Hey, we're going hunting or Hey, we didn't get drawn this year. And so I just kind of slowly, and, and even then he'd be like, okay, well, we're going to go here. So hop in the truck, we'll camp. And here's a, a loner rifle. And, and like, everything was just totally, uh, dependent on that. And then as a few years went by and I got more and more into like, man, I really want to do this a lot. And I don't yeah. want to just rely on, Oh, we got drawn. So we're going to go hunting. But like, I want to hunt, be in the field multiple times every year. Uh, just started having to dig in. And that's sort of when I discovered this vast resource of the internet and, uh, you know, wanted to get into bow hunting cause that's sort of our only over the counter, uh, situation for deer and, uh, you know, bought, bought a cheap beginner bow and then started like, Hey, where do people go? Oh, what did there's units involved? I got to figure that out and just right. started, diving into okay if i was doing this on my own how would i figure it out so what could you re recall maybe like that one moment like i know because it, it is it's a lead up you know for anything that any individual does that they have a passion for and once they go like you know full deep end like you know just going balls to the wall is there a critical moment when you're like you know what this is my lifestyle. I'm changing because I always laugh because my wife always says she's dated or has married like eight different Jeremy's like Jeremy, the, you know, the teacher, Jeremy, the, <laughs> you know, f like personal trainer, you know, it's been all these things. Like, even though hunting has always been a big part of my life, it wasn't until once I got established and family started slowing down and I had more time, quote unquote, more time to really dive into this and then it just kind of progressed and kept going and going uh and i i personally 
can't think of that one moment. I honestly, I really don't. I think for me, it could, it could have even been like when we started even talking and doing a couple things more so serious because I felt more comfortable of saying, Hey, I'm not back at home in Northeast PA with my dad. Like I'm now here with someone else. And it, that's kind of when it was probably for me, the turning point, which was what, four, five, four, four years ago, mm -hmm. you know, four or five years ago, you know, do you recall your moment when you were like, here it is? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it was two different moments. Uh, and the first one wasn't really hunting necessarily. Mm -hmm. It was, same kind of thing. Like I was kind of getting into my career, married for a few years, had our first kid. And I just felt that like call of the wild or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Like, like, man, this suburban life is comfortable and nice, but I've got to, I've got to do something out there or just be in some wild places again. Um, and so decided to take a solo backpacking trip into one of the most rugged uh, mountain ranges we have in Arizona. Cause I'd been there a couple of times in boy scouts and thought, yeah, I, you know, I, I remember older boys going on like that solo overnight mission. I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah. And I quit scouts before I ever got the chance. So somehow talked my wife into, Hey, I'm going to go backpacking for a night. Uh, and I remember her trying to find a nicer way to ask, do you know how to do that? <laughs> um, and she, she did not think she was marrying an outdoorsman. And, uh, but yeah, just kind of threw together some gear and, and went out and, uh, had my butt handed to me by that first, like, I was seven miles from the truck, hadn't seen anyone for miles and just, you know, things get dark and you're like, I am very alone and very unarmed and I'm going to die. Um, <laughs> like I, I read in my research, there are bears and mountain lions around here and this is the end of it. And uh, there's a much longer story where a, a rabbit in the grass uh, almost literally scared the crap out of me because uh, he was just sneaking up, making noise and freaked me out to no end. But uh, made it through that trip and was like, yes, I need more of this in my life. And that, that sort of like merged in with hunting then at that point. And a lot of the hunting I do now is kind of backcountry. a lot of it solo. Um, but I remember the second moments that I think sparked it when I was trying to put all these pieces together was, uh, my brother-in-law had just moved back to Arizona. Um, and he, he like within weeks, so he wasn't able to hunt. I think he had to be six months here before he could be a resident. Um, and I don't know. I still don't know why he let me do this. I don't know if I would be a nice enough person to do this, but I was like, Hey, uh, over the counter deer is coming. Can I borrow your bow? Uh, and he, he let me take his bow, uh, and like, you know, adjusted everything, like screwed it up, lost a couple of his arrows, like just terrible, terrible brother-in-law. Uh, but I, I took his bow and I just started like, okay, around my house, I, I've picked a unit and a, like a spot where I could drive and park. And then there was some like little water holes and I, I hiked back in there and found deer tracks. And I was like, okay, this can happen. And, and I think I only spent maybe two or three like evenings or mornings where I went back there, sat by the water, nothing came in. Uh, but that was the first time where I'm like, I'm, I'm doing this. Like whether, whether my father-in-law, whether my brother-in-law, whether anyone's doing this with me or not, I'm going to do this. And the fact that I even like from satellite imagery picked a spot and then went and there actually was signed that those things were there. It's like this this can happen. And I think from that point on, it was, you know, yeah. I finally bought my own bow, gave my brother-in-law his back and, uh, just haven't stopped. That's awesome. 
Now, before that time, did you have any, you know, times where you kind of doubted yourself or, you know, felt like maybe you, you didn't want to keep doing this because you weren't very successful at first? Because I think, you know, a lot, even a lot of, well, I think younger as well, but even older hunters, if they kind of have that, maybe it's a couple years of unsuccessful or not seeing a lot of animals, they could easily get frustrated and saying, you know, why am I spending this time doing this? And I'm not very good at it. Right. Um, and I, I think because until you have that moment, like you did and say, Hey, I want to do this until you kind of really get that passion. Um, sometimes it can be very difficult to continue on and try to grow and improve moving forward. Right. Yeah. There were definitely those, uh, those moments, those trips. Uh, I think there were at least one or two kind of like rifle deer hunts that I went on with, uh, my father-in-law where we just didn't put in the time scouting before. Like we just, okay, this is the unit. Uh, here looks like a good spot, you know, or maybe my father-in-law had heard like, yeah, buddy told him there are deer around. Um, and so we just went and it was, you know, it became a weekend of camping with guns. Like we just hike out, sit on a, a knob and just glass and see absolutely nothing. Uh, and so after a few of those, there was definitely like, a, I don't know if this is going to work out. Like we're just, we're just sitting out here and it's, you know, even in the, the fall and the winter, like it's the Arizona desert. It gets pretty brutal. Um, so def definitely had some of that, like, I don't know. And then just as something clicked inside, I'm like, I, people are figuring this out. Like I, I see all over the place, people in Arizona are seeing stuff and killing stuff. And, uh, just finally like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then even after that, I'm going to do this moment. There are plenty of those. I'm terrible at this. I'm never going to see anything. Uh, but I think we finally went on a hunt, uh, with, like my father-in-law and I, and then an old friend of his and his son. And we went to the same, like shared a camp and kind of went out and hunted together. And we saw a bunch, like we saw a bunch of elk, even though it was deer season, we, we were running into deer. Uh, that guy's son uh, shot a deer, like as we were all moving into the woods. So I was like right there for that moment. Um, and so, you know, now we're back at camp and there's a deer hanging in a tree and we're skinning it out. And I'm like, okay, this, this is possible. This actually does happen. Let's keep going. That's awesome. That's, I mean, that's the beauty of like where you're able to be around that success and, you know, learn from it, but then, you know, fall in love with that process. I mean, that's, I'm sure too, like you could even touch upon for archery, you know, it's, it's a skill. It's not, you know, obviously doing anything with, within the hunting world is, is a skill, you know, even shooting your rifle, shotgun, all that stuff. But I feel like the learning curve with a, with a, is with a firearm is a lot easier than with a, with a bow, you know, what has, what, what, what's that journey been like for you? Because I, I kind of like looking at your Instagram page and seeing, you know, your involvement with shooting. And, you know, I like that you're, you did your own big target the other day, a couple weeks ago and all that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what has that journey been like for you? Oh man. The, the archery specifically or, yeah. or all of it? Well, like, I mean, uh, you could first go into the archery, but then, you know, dive into everything else just because, you know, it is all brand new to you. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I had a, a small shooting background, like boy scout camp. We shot 22s, yep. uh, loved it, begged my parents for a BB gun. They wouldn't give it to me cause they were sure I was going to shoot my little siblings. Uh, <laughs> they probably weren't wrong, but, um, so like turned 18, my 18th birthday, I walked into a gun shop and bought a shotgun just cause I'm like, <laughs> I, I want to do this. Um, and so I had a little background, but not really good training in it necessarily. Uh, so then the, the archery process, like besides the, that first hunt and then the borrowed bow finally bought my own, 
didn't even know that bow tuning was a thing. Like I, it was just like your basic ready to shoot package. The, the lady at Cabela's said, all right, here you go. And I assumed it was good. Um, <laughs> and, and hunted, I did, I shot my first elk with that bow. Like it, it did work, but I definitely, you know, my groups were not great. And so just getting, uh, getting a few years of that under your belt and then starting to play around with like upgrading a bow. Uh, but even that process, not really know it just, getting a good deal on an obsession speed bow that looking back, I shot terribly because uh, it was very unforgiving. Um, and that like just that process of learning, okay, what works for me? What am I looking for in a bow? And then starting to also delve into like, okay, this, this type of sight versus this. And, you know, do I want a, a string driven rest or a, a limb driven and uh, just like geeking out hard on all that stuff. And then I, the first time ever, out of the bow shop, like, okay, I'm going to loosen this, this Allen key and yeah. I'm going to move my rest. <laughs> and I don't know if this bow is ever going to fire again, yeah. but I'm going to try it. Uh, but like, it's scary. The first time you go to like adjust something, you're like, I'm pretty sure only trained professionals are supposed to touch this. Um, but like figuring that out and like messing some stuff up and then moving it back. And, uh, like just, just the like step by step, uh, I feel like I put a lot of band-aids on my archery world for a long time. And then like one at a time, as I've gotten more confident, I've started to rip those band-aids like, okay, well, let's get to the bottom of this situation. Like I, I went with mechanicals for a long time just because I, I didn't, my bow was out of tune. I didn't know how to tune it. I was like, well, these will be more forgiving. So I'm just going to go with that. Right. Um, and then I, I the, at a couple of years ago, I, I made a bad shot on a javelina, which is, you know, a little like 30, 40 pounds rat essentially um that that got away like i didn't i didn't recover it and i thought okay an arrow on a small thing like that should like it doesn't matter i should make a good shot but essentially in my head like it doesn't matter where i hit it i should be able to just punch through that thing um and so that got me like i need to go i need to get a, a good heavy solid like fixed blade and i'm just gonna have to learn to tune uh so just dug into that whole world um and now, now I'm in a place where I'm, I mean, I'm not like a competition archer or anything, but I actually feel like I know what I'm doing. I know I expect my arrows to hit where they are. I'm practicing. I put a slider on for the first time this year. So I'm actually, I'm practicing outside of my pins for like first time I've ever shot outside of 70 was just a few weeks ago, actually. Um, but like getting that, that confidence and starting to know what's going on, like, okay, if this is happening, I actually know what to do to fix it. Right. Um, has been great. Well, I, I think too, is, is we talk about how with new hunters, the internet is a great resource for a lot of people. But I think on the other side of that is sometimes it can be a little overwhelming for right. a new hunter as well. I mean, cause you know, you're diving in, you're trying to look at, you know, what, what bow do I want? What site do I want? What rest do I want? And there's so much information out there and there's so many opinions, right? And if, if you don't, have the will to kind of go out there and try it yourself and, you know, try to figure out what works best for you could probably, you know, overwhelm you very fast and, and not really figure out what's going to work best for you and try to, you know, you could watch some of these videos and be like, well, I have to have this bow or I have to have these arrows or this rest or this broadhead. So I think, you know, trying to educate people of, you know, go out and try it, right? You know, shoot that bow. Does it feel good for you? You know, you don't have to have these certain things, especially when you're a new hunter. Yeah, I think that's that's spot on. I think one of the best things I did was just find a really good bow shop uh, with, with good techs who are not only able to do the work for you, but like who don't make you feel like an idiot, 
Yeah. I've been to those bow shops. I don't go back. Um, and then who are just willing to take the time. Like if I walk into my bow shop with an issue or a question that these guys have, you know, there's bows everywhere. Uh, but that this guy will just, he'll spend an hour with me, uh, like answering questions or like, you know, let me shoot through paper and, you know, like just the amount of time they'll spend explaining why things are the way they are and like helping you really just like track down your own archery issues. Uh, I think I learned more just even from a few longer sessions in the bow shop than you're right. Like digging through all the sometimes conflicting opinions all over the internet um, and just starting to figure out like, okay, everybody's, you know, grip body setup is a little bit different. So let me figure out what's working for me. Right. No, spot on. And that's the key. I mean, archery talk could be your friend and it could be your enemy and, (laughs) you know, and it's, but in, in the grand scheme of things, uh, uh, like you said, there is positives out there. And when you find a good bow shop, I mean, you know, Dimitri and I, we've been to, to many shops like that. Like, just like you said, Eric, where you walk in there and why are you shooting that? Or yeah, you don't need that and blah, blah, blah. It's just kind of the, the Debbie downer. Uh, and then you have good shops and, you know, we're lucky to have a shop nearby that we go to and, uh, you know, buy our, uh, whether it be for rifles, rifle season or, you know, during small game stuff, anything that we need, you know, we're, we're fortunate that we have that. Uh, but no, man, that's, that's all good stuff. And I love the kudos to you to get your hands dirty and try it yourself. Just because I remember my first time trying to be like, okay, if I adjust this rest, this little notch and all that type of stuff, it, it is, it's nerve, yeah, nerve wracking a little bit. Yeah. You're pretty sure you're, you're going to break it forever yeah, and yeah. it's going to be, you're just going to have to throw it away and start yep. over. Yep. And I, the first time I remember doing something and I drew back and I shot it and I just remember it hit the target and I just going, whew, it didn't explode on me. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. That, you only have to like have someone send you one of those pictures of a guy with like carbon shrapnel oh, all in his hand. No, it's crazy. As a new hunter, that's the most terrifying thing you can ever see. Cause you're like, I don't, I don't know what causes that. This could happen on every shot. Yeah. In this week's Vortex Nation highlight, we are sharing a key highlight from Jim D'Agostino's hunt from 2020. Jim shares on October 31st, 2020 of Halloween. I had three incredible encounters with rutting bucks full of adrenaline and answering to every grunt I threw out. Looking back at the day, despite the success of harvesting one of the three bucks, I realized how quickly and how luckily I really was. I made a critical mistake when e-scouting and randomly going to an Onyx waypoint in the dark. I set up on the first of two ridges. All three bucks came from the second ridge down to me, and the first two blew out. The mistake was that the height of my saddle was eye level with them coming from the second ridge. I know I'll be better prepared for next season, but I'm grateful it all worked out. It goes to show you the success of a hunt isn't always just a harvest, but learning and adapting as well. Thanks, Jim, for sending in his Vortex Nation highlight for this week. We're looking for involvement from our listeners, and we want to hear from you. If you would like to be featured on an episode of our podcast, please send us an, any hunting tip, strategy, success story, or a learning moment. Email us or send us a message on Instagram. Back to the episode. We'll talk about that. You, you, you said your, um, your first successful you know hunt. Like, What was that like? Uh, and you know what was it? And uh like you know go through that a little bit uh yeah my first successful hunt was with a rifle and the year after that was my first successful bow hunt nice uh okay (laughs) yeah uh yeah the the first hunt ever uh was uh, it was with my father-in-law it was rifle mule deer 
Um, and it was, it was actually private land. So we finally like the, I think he's technically, he's my cousin-in-law is the simplest way to say it, but he, he runs this big, uh, this big farm out in the middle of the desert, kind of outside of Phoenix, um, that, uh, you know, is just like a magnet for deer. And so, uh, we, we finally like started to figure out, okay, there's deer coming into this place and like, let's, let's draw for this tag. And, and we pulled it. And so we, we actually put in some time and, and kind of they're semi patternable out there. They seem to like mix it up a lot, but, uh, but it's a working farm. So they're, you know, machinery doesn't super freak them out. Uh, you can't like walk up to them, but they're not as skittish as other deer that you encounter. Um, and so we just kind of built some, some hay bale brush blinds on these key areas. Like, okay, they're usually in this field. Um, and, and a lot of times they come out, they feed most of the night and then you could catch them at first light on their way back to the desert, or you can catch them, you know, early evening coming on in. And, uh, and so we went out there and, uh, and the, the first day, second day, I think my, my father-in-law shot just this massive buck, which I had the first shot at, I just missed. And so <laughs> as we were set up on it, he's like, uh, Hey, you get first shot, but if you miss, uh, be prepared to hear a second shot. And that that's what happened. So he, he took it, put it down and, uh, I missed another, while we were cleaning that buck, another buck came out that I grabbed my rifle and went over, missed him three times. Uh, in hindsight, I had, uh, over torqued my scope cause I'm like, I can do this myself and I don't need to buy the little tool. I'll figure it out. Uh, so I was having inconsistent flight all over the place. Uh, should have just like ditched that rifle and used my father-in-law's in hindsight. But I, uh, I was too stubborn for that. This was like a new, the first rifle i bought for myself to hunt so i was determined to make it work um and so the last morning of the hunt i had burned almost a whole box of ammo the day before (laughs) trying to like recite in and figure out what was going on so i had eight bullets to my name um and i went out there i it was a it was a removable box magazine so i went out there with four in the gun three in the second magazine and i had this one loose bullet that as we're grabbing our gear together i'm like i don't I don't want a whole box with one bullet in. Like, I'm just going to leave this here in the Jeep. It's going to be fine. Who needs more than seven bullets to shoot a deer? Um, and so we hike out in the the dark to set up in our blind. And as the sun starts to come up, we sure enough, we see there's this big line of deer moving out and there's this huge four by four sitting on the, like the farm road right by the fence before he's going to jump over. And, uh, and so I'm like, perfect. Going to set up on him, but we are looking due east. And so as I try to set up in my scope, I'm having all these glare issues. And so I'm moving everything around, trying to, trying to get him. In. I'll get him in my sight picture, uh, took a shot, missed. Uh, then when I tried to reset, the glare was back. So it was just this, this comedy of errors. I sent three, uh, shots at that deer, missed all three of them. Uh, my father-in-law was just watching through the binos. Like she's missed low, missed left, missed, like just calling out what's happening. Uh, so that deer after three shots decided that was enough of that bounded over, disappeared into the desert. Uh, and I start to like kind of go down the line of all these does. And there's this other big, like decent sized three by four kind of walking with them. So I'm like, okay, that's, that's the guy. Um, I've got, I, I take the magazine out, which has one round in it now, put the fresh one in. So I've got three rounds in the gun, uh, set up on him. Uh, I believe we ranged him. He was like 220, something like that. Um, and so I, I put what I thought was the correct, you know, bullet drop mark on him, uh, squeeze the trigger, father-in-law just missed low. So I'm just at this point, like, like fuck fever, all like, I can't believe what's happening. Uh, I just start moving up bullet drop hash marks. Like it doesn't matter what the math said. I'm just going to keep trying until something <laughs> happens. Uh, second shot, I believe was the, uh, second or third shot. I finally connect. He's like, but like, okay, you hit him, but he's not down. 
Um, and it was like, every time I shot all the does ran around, I had to wait for them to clear to get another <laughs> shot after the second or third shot, all the does were gone, but I had hit this buck in, in retrospect, I had gut shot him. He's just standing out there, like not sure what's going on. Um, and every time he's also moving further and further away. So I think by the time I hit him, he was over 300. Um, and then I, I get to the point where I miss with the last bullet I have in the gun. I look over, I have this magazine sitting on a hay bale with one round in it. And, and the whole time I probably, I was just in the binos, just telling me what's happening. Just like, okay, go, you know, take your shot, next shot, go again. Uh, and so I put that last round in and, you know, like, okay, here, here we go. And I, I squeeze again. He's like, missed left. And now I'm like, I'm, I'm out of bullets. And I don't, and my father-in-law has no idea the, the, the plight that I'm in. So he's just looking through the binos, he's like, shoot him again, hit him again. Whenever you're ready, take your shot. And so finally I managed to, I'm like, I'm, Neil, I'm, I'm out of bullets. And he like full vote, like just yells like, you're what? I'm like, ah, uh, I thought we were supposed to be whispering. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm out of bullets. Uh, well, I, I have one more back of the Jeep. He's like, looks like you're running to the Jeep. So I leave all my gear. I grab the keys. I run a half mile back to where the Jeep's parked. And my father-in-law just stays at the blind watching the deer through the binos to make sure he doesn't go anywhere. So I, I, like I get in the Jeep and drive up to where our blind is, hop out with my one stupid bullet, uh, and then I dip down into this field. There's this berm. I could kind of like crawl up along to get closer to where this deer is just standing out in this field suffering. I, f I feel terrible. I f so many feelings, but, uh, <laughs> I finally pop up on this berm and range him. He's at 170. I put this very last round. Like if this doesn't work, I have a pistol on my hip and maybe I can charge out like John wick and, <laughs> and get this done. But this is, this is my last chance. Um, and just settle in. I took like every 17 deep breaths like set a, like actually praying to god please please send this bullet where it needs to go um and sure like finally that last bullet like the holes right behind his shoulder just hit him he dropped um and then just like went out and just the the celebration of oh man like it, it happened in the stupidest most comedy of errors sort of way uh but like finally happened like okay i i have killed a big game animal this is awesome. Um, and then the, the year after that, I had uh, my, an archery bull tag up in the same spot where I had my first uh, cow elk hunt. Okay. Um, and so this was, I, I now had my own bow I had been practicing with. Um, and this was also the same year I started late to the game. So like two months before that, I started, I got this That's idea, cool. started this thing and, and I'm like, okay, I've got an elk tag. I'm walking in bow in hand, like camera on a tripod and a GoPro on my head. And we're just going to figure it out. Um, and so like <laughs> just the, the level of like, okay, I'm going to try to get my first bowl and I'm going to film it. Cause why not? Why, why wouldn't not? you? Yep. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I have like professionally, I have a background in like media production. Okay. So I was like, I, I'll try to bring that into this world and I'll figure it out somehow. Um, and so we had uh man, like it was on the fifth day that I finally connected on this thing. The, the day before uh, my brother-in-law, so my brother-in-law, my father-in-law and I were all hunting together. Like basically we would head out, we would kind of drop my father-in-law off at his tree stand. And then my brother-in-law and I would just kind of bounce around the woods. Sometimes we'd stick together. Sometimes we'd kind of split up and then rendezvous. Um, but, you know, just putting seven, 10 miles a day on our boots. Um, and then we find after a couple days, my father-in-law was saying, Hey, at my tree, I keep seeing it. Like these elk are just moving through this same area, like a good ways behind me. Uh, and so we came over to check that out. Uh, kind of sat on opposite sides of a meadow. My, I watched 
this this bunch of elk and this big bull move out of range from me, but he was heading straight towards my brother-in-law. He had him at full draw at 50 yards. He just needed that last step from behind this little tree. Um, and then a, a cow blew out, blew him before oh. the, the bull took that step. So they all blew out and that was, that was his opportunity. But, but that next morning we like, after that happened, we built this little hasty, like 90 degree brush blind and just kind of decided we're going to go back here, sit here in the morning. Uh, you know, if it, if it comes walking in on your side, it's yours. If it comes walking in on your side, it's yours. Um, and sure enough, we're, we're sitting there and it's, it's a windy day, uh, like kind of gusty. Um, but, but we're downwind of this this path that supposedly they're probably going to take. Um, and so uh, sure enough, my brother-in-law spies like, okay, here comes a bull. Uh, and so he spotted them, but he was coming in on my side. So it was, it was my chance. And, and, and he's kind of like rocking a cow call a little bit, just trying to, uh, to calm him down or to bring him in. Uh, and he, but he was close enough to see us. So he like, he would hear the cow call. He would look over our direction wouldn't see a cow would just keep on meandering. So he brought him back a couple times, but he never came inside a 60. Uh, and on that bow, it, I just had a four pin sight. It maxed out at 50. And so like, I, I, I got nothing. And so eventually he, he walks his way down and beds about 90 yards from us. Uh, and between me and like the next patch of timber is about 35 yards of just wide open grassland <laughs> meadow. Uh, and so I'm like, I've got a perfect wind. It's, it's nice and windy, which should cover some noise and some movement. Uh, but there's no reason to believe, like, if he gets up, he's not going to come back our way. He's probably just going to keep going the way he was going. Uh, so if I want this, I got to crawl out after him. And right. so uh, I, I set the camera to run and just threw the GoPro on my head and uh, just, like, army crawled and just moved every every pine cone and stick in my path. I'm, like, carefully moving out of the way like I'm disarming landmines just <laughs> to, like, I don't want to screw this up. Uh, so crawl all that way. And I pop up and I, I see him and he's bedded behind this dead snag that's covering everything I need. Uh, and he's at like 55 yards or so. And I've got one little patch of trees just a little bit closer and kind of off to the side. I'm like, okay, if I get to that, uh, may, it might change the angle and it's definitely going to put me closer. So I start making my way to there. And right about the time I get there, I kind of just poke my head up and he's now standing looking right at me. I'm like, oh, okay, this is it. So I just sort of rise to my knees. Uh, and I've got an arrow knocked and, uh, like I'm just watching him waiting for a chance. Uh, Cause I don't like, I feel like I can't draw cause he's going to just tear out. Um, and so sure enough, he starts to run right to left. And I don't know other than like instinct or just watching a million hunting films. Like as he started to run, I just instinctively drew my bow and sure enough, he, he ran about 10, 15 yards and stopped to look again. And he stopped just his vitals are in this like 18 inch window between these trees. And so I just settled the pin and just send it. Uh, and as it goes, like it's the first time I've watched an arrow, like impact an animal yeah. <laughs> from my own vantage point. And so at the time, like it just disappears and I'm like, Oh shoot, I missed high. Like, I can't believe it. And as he starts to run away, I see blood just start pouring out. I'm like, Oh, 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 I hit him. Okay. Dude, that's awesome. Uh, oh, it was so cool. And so I came back to my brother-in-law who was just waiting in the blind camera was running next to him. Like a couple of times as I edited the footage, I could see he just sort of like moved it to keep it on me. Um, and I, I'm like, I, I, I shot, I hit him. He was a little high, but he's, he's bleeding. And he didn't even know I took a shot. So, you know, the, probably one of the few times we've ever hugged in our lives, you know, all the stuff that, that happens, uh, right after a shot. And, uh, yeah, so we, we gave him a little time. I called my wife and left this hysterically excited message, uh, telling her what was going on. And he, I mean, the blood trail was just massive we, he was less than 100 yards away piled up dead and 
uh, we were three miles from the truck. So we had to, had to pack him out. Uh, I discovered the whole other side of things. I was carrying this pack that was supposedly had a meat shelf. And for the, the first time I ever opened it was right there when I had an elk quartered up on the ground and realized that the meat shelf like opened two inches. And I'm like, well, this isn't going to work. So my father-in-law came to meet us to help us pack it out. And he had, he had rigged up like this plastic frame and like military surplus straps, really just to, to haul his tree stand into the woods. And he came with that and ratchet straps. And so I was like, okay, uh, let's flip this around. I'll, I'll take a hind and a front quarter and the antlers and a little gear and I'm ratchet strap it to this plastic frame and then stuff like back straps and all the other stuff in my little meat compartment and gave that to him. And just, three months like i was bent like 90 degrees by the end of it just that pack was like creaking and cracking and hurt everywhere it was it was the most miserable miserable thing i've ever done oh man Um, i since have a much better pack but it uh man it it made me earn it for sure that's an awesome awesome story i mean i was like like right on the edge of my seat for you just that whole entire time (laughs) like congratulations i mean that that's just so awesome Thanks. Well, and I, I think too, I mean, both of your stories, especially being for back to back years is a huge improvement, uh, yeah. improvement. Yeah. you know, for your first, your mule deer story. I mean, a lot of people could have been really frustrated. Uh, I mean, especially that many shots to finally put one down took takes two hits, you know, and, but then you come back in the next year, you would get a new bow. You put a lot more practice. You put a lot more effort in, you know, one shot, you, you know, you take down a, a nice uh bowl i mean that just goes to show you just can't give up and and you just really got to put the effort in to improve no matter if you've been doing this for one year or if you've been doing it for 30 yeah uh so true um and then it also not to to discount that there was definitely improvement definitely more time figuring stuff out uh but after that bowl i i immediately went into uh like a three-year slump where i was putting time in go like it's not because i wasn't getting out uh, but like it there was a gap from uh from 2017 to 2020 before i I had another harvest and uh there were some dark years in there of just (laughs) like i don't i got lucky two years in a row i i am the worst hunter what am i i I shouldn't have a youtube channel i can't do this um and so like struggling through that and a lot of those like close calls and near misses and the number of times I've been busted by a doe at a hundred yards is absurd. Like I can't, I have trauma from hearing the doe blow, uh, in the back country, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, I think there's improvement, there's time put in, and then there's still, uh, it, it's hunting, nothing's guaranteed. And so there's still those like long stretches of, you know, you, you stack a few hunts back to back when nothing happens and the look on your non hunting friends faces when you come back and they're like, you didn't get anything. Yeah. Don't look at me like that. You have no idea how hard this is. Is it the, you didn't get anything or you didn't catch anything. (laughs) You get that. I hear that too. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I finally do like you get that, like, Oh, you caught a deer. Yeah. No, no No one catches. I'm not gaming fish. I didn't tranquilize anything. No, man. So what led you then to do, you know, the book that you have and you know, you're doing and all that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, the book was, was an idea that like has rattled around in my, you know, I've had like a note, most of us, I think have notes on our phones. We're always keeping ideas. Um, and and I just kept feeling like, I kept thinking of, you know, first hunt me who had no idea what he was doing. And then kind of that transition into like driven, passionate, I'm going to figure this out. 
and there's so much information, like just overwhelming information. Um, and, and I owe, I owe so much to the experts and the guys out there who are putting out great content, who, uh, who share lifelong lessons, you know, lessons they've learned from hunting for a lifetime. Uh, but I felt like I, I wanted to write the book that I wish existed back then, where it just sort of like, Hey, you have this weird thing that just snapped in your brain where you want to go do this and you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, here's like, let's start at that basic level. You have a pile of what you consider dumb questions that you're probably afraid to ask. Let's answer those. Let's talk about those. Like I, I as I wrote it, I built this glossary in the back of all these terms that we all take for granted that are embarrassing to YouTube. Like what does quartering away mean? Um, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and so just trying to like help someone start off, think of the guy who's, you know, I tend to think of the, the guy who's sort of like me, like, okay, he's got a f- wife and a family and some of his friends are going to think he's crazy because he hasn't been doing this before, but he wants to do this. How can I just walk him through like, Hey, before you go drop a bunch of money, uh, you may not have a family member or a friend or anyone you can lean on. Like if you're going to do this, you're just going to have to do it. Uh, so how can I take that guy from like, Here's the base, like the first chapter is about like the regs, like, Hey, there are laws and rules to this. And here's kind of where you find that information. Cause like, it's amazing how, if you don't come from a hunting background, you don't even know there's sort of that old perception of just rednecks driving through the woods, shooting at everything, um, that like help them figure that out. And, and here's some gear stuff and here's how you find animals. Cause that, you know, after so many years you take for granted, like, you know what to look for, even on satellite imagery, you're like, okay, that, that seems like it's got some bucks in it yeah um Bucky. but other guys are like i don't i've never seen a deer i don't know where where do i go or like what's the difference between a deer and an elk how, how do i tell that yeah um and so i tried to write it both both from an east and a west standpoint like so there's a lot of parts where hey if you're out if you're out west or your goal is to go out west here's some of this stuff hey if you're hunting whitetails out east um and and i called some some guys i know who, who live out that way who are experts in that world and like ran stuff by them and pick their brains for a while to like make sure I was, I was telling the truth about here's, here's how all this stuff goes, but just trying to get a guy who, you know, lives in Pennsylvania and wants to go hunting. He's his first step probably isn't going to be like, okay, I'm going to buy a bunch of gear. I'm going to drive across to Colorado. I'm going to go chase elk. Yeah. Like how can I get that guy an hour from his house into, to a patch of timber, uh, chasing some deer. Um, and then once he does, how can I help him, figure out how to cut it up. Like I, I just kept picturing this guy who's out there alone, determined to do this. And he's got a million YouTube videos and stuff he's watched, but so much of it, I think hits that like intermediate level and they're getting into these nuances of really important things that help you elevate your game. But that guy's like, okay, that that's helpful. But I don't like, where do I find this elk? Like cool, cool tip on like where yeah. to aim if he's quartering away at so many degrees, but I can't find a deer. So how do I, do that. Um, and so just trying to like walk them through that. And, and I start every chapter with a hunting story cause man, hunters love stories. So, yep. uh, uh, and a lot of them are those times like I share where, Hey, this didn't go as planned. Uh, things went wrong. Things went sideways. Uh, but it, it's the nature of the game. Um, but just try to kind of take them from like start to finish and sort of weed out some to not get too deep, deep in the weeds on all these little details that that are important, but really like if you strip away, what do you need to start from nothing, harvest an animal, get the meat back home, cook it up and, and start this process is kind of how I try to approach the book. 
that's what I love. You, you talked about the basics that, you know, maybe it's just terminology that a lot of the new hunters might not know because, you know, and I think one with a lot of the YouTube videos that you see are, are going to mit- you kind of skip those beginner steps, right? They're not going to really dive into the basics, right? Um, so you're going to kind of leave those out. And then two, I think a new hunter is going to be kind of timid to ask like what maybe it's their buddies or, you know, they're at the pro pro shop and, you know, uh, the bow shop and, and they're not going to ask those basic questions because they don't want to feel stupid. Right. You know? So I think like a book where, like you said, they can dive in, they can kind of learn the terminology and kind of, grasp the concept of a lot of these uh, things that you need to kind of just start hunting and that's going to kind of make them feel more comfortable than going and ask questions because they're going to know the terminology and not feel um, like they 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 fit in a little bit more absolutely that's like the the whole since i started late to the game and moving into the book like my whole thing has been uh i I think i've think all hunters are awesome. My wife's a hunter. I, I, uh, this is, it's not supposed to be a chauvinist thing, but I think for guys in particular, there's something in us that just thrives in wild places, uh, doing wild things. Um, and so I think hunting has been so therapeutic for me just to, as a man, a husband, a father, uh, my wife is the greatest woman in the world. Let's me be out in the field a lot. Um, and she does that, you know, home with three kids dealing with all of that because she says, I always come back a better man. Um, and so I've just have this, this passion to like help other guys not think of that and be like, Oh, that would be cool. That does sound awesome. I can never do that. And then just write it off and keep, you know, kind of barreling towards the midlife crisis. Like, let's just, let, let me help you just get out and try, like start trying it and you'll figure it out and it will do something deep in your soul that is so much bigger than, Hey, I killed a buck or Hey, there's meat in the freezer. Those are all great, but there's something deeper that I think goes on. So I just, I'm trying to find any way I can to like help people get out there and experience that. No, I, I, we had Kirshner on when, uh, we were like in the thick of things with, uh, getting ready to go out to Utah for our first Western trip. And this was going to be our first backpack trip, which didn't really end up being a backpacking (laughs) trip. But I mean, I, you know, I, I, read his book and you know we were i was you know we kind of talked for a little bit through in you know instagram and all that type of stuff and then he came out with his book and we did the podcast and everything like that and in to this day i i message him and all that type of stuff but his book was so helpful to me like just even for getting certain gear maybe trying to things i'm like okay that would work uh like even i remember getting a sleeping bag uh a newer one and then we we're like you know what we're going for opening weekend and chasing mule deer in utah it's gonna be hot i'm not gonna need my sleeping bag i could get away with just you know a blanket and my sleeping pad (laughs) you know what i mean and that just (laughs) even though again we didn't hike in anywhere as far as uh with camp on our back but it saved us a little bit for you know for whatever we needed so it's just little things and uh i you know what i love about your story eric is that you went from you know not doing it growing up to fallen in love with the overall lifestyle, the passion and, and just the kind of little things like it's the 
like you said, tuning your bow and just figuring that stuff out, your shot process to having a successful, you know, whether it be with a firearm or with a bow hunt and then wanting to grow and learn yourself and then write a book for others to be in your footsteps. Like that's huge. Like that, that's not a thing that, I mean, that just shows your passion, your drive. Uh, I think it's fascinating and, and I'm really glad, you know, you could, you know, talk about that. And you know, do you, like how you were saying, you talk to your friends about uh, whether it be hunting out here in, in the east side of things like whitetail and, and doing a little bit more research. I know getting your first bear was a, was a recent thing for you as well. Like there's tactics that we're still learning and we've been hunting since we were 12 years old with our, you know, family members. But, you know, here you are and, and helping others do that as well. So like you're still learning tactics too like it's just it's a neat evolving world that is fascinating to me why i love it and why i love you know meeting people like yourself oh, thank you yeah uh Kirchner's a great guy uh, i love that guy the bear i just harvested is i owe him a whole lot for that <laughs> um uh but yeah it just people out there willing to, to share and yeah, he and i became share. friends because i was seeking inform like i had just started trying to hunt bear in arizona which is insanely difficult. We just, we, they hide in nasty places. We don't have that many of them. Like just seeing a bear is an accomplishment. Uh, and so I was just Googling like Arizona bear. Uh, and this guy kept popping up cause he's kind of like the bear guy around here. Yeah. Realized he was 20 minutes from my house. It's like, Hey, if I buy you coffee, can I pick your brain for an hour? Uh, and that was a few years ago. And now we, we're, we are good friends. We hunt together a lot. We're, we're going to the Utah back country for high country nice. deer this August. And, uh, like it, I think it's just finding, finding people, not being afraid to ask questions like, Hey, this might be, this might sound stupid. I don't care if I look stupid. I don't know. So I'm going to ask. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the hunting community is full of guys willing to, to share and help, uh, if you're just willing to like reach out and ask. Yeah. What, what's the one tip that you think, uh, like it, it, you, it could be in the book, it, you know, like what is that one thing that you, you offer, uh, or could give it someone advice for, even if it's someone that's been hunting for a long time. Oh man. Uh, I, I don't know if I have a tip that will sound original, uh, but I think <laughs> the biggest thing is, uh, is stay out there. Yeah. Like whether that's in the microcosm of like, stay out there till the glow has left your pins or if that's, you know, it's been a grind of a hunt and you're like, maybe I should pack it up and head home a day early. Like every time I come out early, I regret it. Uh, and I've, it seems like the things that have happened or like that develop are in those last few moments when I've already had like, eh, I'm kind of hungry. I'm kind of cold. Maybe I should head back. But then I look at my pins. I'm like, I got five minutes left. And that's like, when that happens. I killed a buck right after Christmas that way. Like, eh, I got five minutes. I'm going to sit here. And he, he showed up. Um, like it's, it's just that uh, there's a lot of hardcore guys who are hunting hard, but I think it's easy to like steal 15 minutes here or sleep in a the morning there. Or, like we just justify this stuff or you don't even go on the trip cause you're given into dad guilt or mom guilt or whatever. You're like, ah, I shouldn't go. I'm just, you know, this isn't gonna, maybe it's not going to work out. Like, uh, I think it's just that, that grit and that determination and that I am squeezing every moment of hunt I can out of this day, this trip, this evening, whatever it is. Um, I know it's not super original, but I think in a lot of ways, that's sometimes what separates uh, a successful hunt from, from not. 
Well, and it always makes it easier to get out there when it's your father-in-law that uh, got you into hunting. So you can always use that as an excuse yeah. that you want to do some <laughs> father-in-law bonding time and you can use that yeah, for your wife. Absolutely. Or I can just blow like, even if I'm not going with him, like, Hey, uh, your dad started all of this. So yeah. it's be mad at him. Um, I'm going to head to the woods. Uh, I get the opposite. I get the, uh, my dad only went out like three times when he was, <laughs> I'm like, I go out to, you know, I'm, I look, I'm mad when it's only three times a, a week for me, you know, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. maybe you gave a tip for anybody, but what about that new hunter that's out there? Maybe he just started, um, you know, maybe you can navigate of how you would recommend now that you've kind of gone through it later in life of, of, and you know, kind of what's out there for YouTube, you have your channel. Um, you know, how would you go about someone that wants to get more information and, and starting out and, and kind of the steps that they should take to kind of grow at the beginning of that being a hunter? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, trying to like, weed through and focus, like, be honest with where you're at as a beginner. Um, you know, you, you don't have to like, you watch the born and raised guys and you're like, okay, that's what I gotta be like. Hey, no, nobody's them. Like they're, they're freaks. Uh, it's insane what they do. Um, so just like, accept. okay, I'm, I'm looking to go out and kill a spike or a fork or like just get on the board with my first whatever. Um, and what do I need to know for that? Um, so you know, your, your bow could be like, you could be paper tuned from the shop and be pretty close. Uh, and maybe it's pretty close enough. And maybe you're just as a new hunter, you're like, okay, I'm setting my sight. Like I'm, I'm capping off at 40, 50 yards. Like that's going to involve getting in closer. Maybe I have to just like decide I'm going to ambush hunt, but like, like accept, accept where you are in the journey. Um, cause you just, it, you watch the, the, the heavy hitters on YouTube and you're like, I want to do that. And you can do that, but those guys are doing that because they've got years and years of doing all this other stuff, building up to that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not saying like, don't chase your dreams or hunt the way you want to hunt, but like just kind of accept, okay, this is where I'm at. And this is, this would be a great trophy, a great hunt, a great, whatever, a great step for me as I start this out. And, and I think tempering some of that that realism and, and just sort of accepting where you are and like hey there, there's plenty of years to kill a monster there's plenty of years to stalk in from 400 yards away uh but for now maybe like you know you just sit up in a tree on a good game trail and you you shoot the first legal thing that comes in like yeah that, great step go for it yeah um and so just like not trying to not trying to like advance past where you really are and uh and I think that helps sort of whittle down some of the information. Like you're not, you don't have to burn hours and hours, like diving into, Oh, well, if I change my arrow spine by X amount or whatever, like at, at the beginner stage, if you've got a decent bow shop, just go with what they told you. Like it'll be close enough. And as you can dig into the minutia later, but just like, okay, I just need to be able to hit, you know, that didn't that paper plate out to this reasonable distance. And I'm going to hunt this simple ish way just, just to start to like get it figured out. Yeah. And I think too, with a, a new hunter, you should, you know, realize that when you watch these videos or, or YouTube and, you know, 
everything that someone does isn't going to always work for you too. You know, and I, I kind of constant emphasize this on the podcast is, you know, take all the information you learn from several different people and piece it together. That's going to work for you and where you hunt, right? You know, I'm always, I always try to pick people's brain because I know not everything's going to work for me, you know, with my hunting style and, and where we hunt and with public land. But, you know, there's those little pieces and aspects that you can kind of, you know, you might not learn everything from them, but there might be one little piece that's really going to help you be successful that year. And you can kind of, you know, make your own puzzle, right? That's what kind of you got to do that works for you. You know, you're not going to be able to watch someone out there, um, even if they have similar style and try to repeat everything that they do, you know, you it's probably going to help you, but that's not going to be kind of what your recipe is, right? You got to kind of figure that out and mix, mix and match uh, different things that's going to work in the long run. I think that's so true. And I think having the, like take, taking them as tools in your tool belt and yeah. like not being willing to try different stuff. I think it's easy to get stuck in the, no, this is how Cameron Haynes does it. And that's how I'm going to do it. But to like, I, that, that book I shot that I mentioned was like, I was trying to spot and stalk this area and I saw them one night and you know, my stock fell apart at the end. Uh, and I had the next night was my last night to hunt. And I'm like, you know what? I, I, what do I have to lose? I'm going to sit in an ambush point right by where he came in and see if he comes in again. And sure. At the last moment of light, he, I heard him breathing behind me. He came around the brush and it was over. And I was like, okay, just being willing to mix it up. And like, I'm, I'm going to try this. Yeah. Because I, it's, it's another piece that I saw from this other person and, and let me see what happens. Yeah. I love it. Good stuff. Well, Eric, uh, what is rapid fire here? Uh, what is, what, what is your fit your, what has been your favorite hunt? Oh man. Uh, that is really hard. <laughs> um, uh, my favorite, I don't know if it's just cause it's the most recent or because of the long bear curse I was operating under that bear hunt that I just finished. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so, it, it felt so sweet because bears and I have battled each other for a long time. Uh, the footage that came out of it, just everything lined up. Best footage I've had of a kill shot ever. I'm, I was so excited about that whole hunt. Awesome. And what is your dream hunt? <laughs> I don't know why, but moose. Moose, N- moose okay. has me captivated, and I, I don't have a good plan yet as to where and when I'm going to do that, but it's going to happen. What is uh, 2021 going to look like for you this year? Uh, it's it's looking good. I've got uh, uh, August Utah high country mule deer yep. uh, with, with Josh, uh, and then I'm back for, I think, about two weeks, and then I have that same archery bull tag here in Arizona that I had in 2017. Uh, so heading back into an area that I know really well, feel it. Uh, nothing's a sure thing in hunting, but I just, there's a confidence to like, I know this area, there's bulls in here. We're going to have some fun. Um, and then I, I still have a, uh, my over the counter tag, uh, will open up in December. So I'll be back out chasing deer for that. And, uh, it's possible my wife and son will draw rifle deer tags again Sweet. and I'll be playing guide in November. Awesome, man. Good stuff. Well, Eric, thank you so much. You know, what is the name of your book and where could people find it? And and then obviously, you know, please plug your, your YouTube, Instagram, all that type of stuff, man. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it pretty much everything is under late to the game outdoors. Uh, the book is called how to hunt a total beginner's guide to hunting big game. Um, 
it's on Amazon, but you can also, if you go to my website, late to the game outdoors.com, there's a link right at the top. That'll, that'll tell you more about the book and take you there. Um, the YouTube channel is, uh, search late to the game outdoors. There it is. Um, and I'm most active on Instagram at late to the game outdoors. I try to keep everything super consistent and simple <laughs> across all the platforms. So if, if you type that into any sort of Google machine, you should track me down. Awesome, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for t- taking out the time to coming on. It's great stories. Uh, you know, it's, it's been exciting. The last couple that we've done, we're, I'm getting like fired up just because, you know, trail cameras are going out. We're, we're doing some, getting ready to do some food plot stuff and we're shooting our bows. We're dialing in more so now for hunting than shooting 3D stuff. It's just, it's right around the corner. Uh, so it's, it's been exciting and I loved hearing your stories and what you're about and what you're representing. So, you know, keep doing that, man. It's, it's, I'm a, you know, we'll, we'll be following along and, and all that type of stuff. And, uh, thanks again, Eric. I appreciate you for coming on till next time, everybody antler up. Awesome. Dude. Thank you so much. There, again, there, there are great stories and, uh, I, I love what. And that's a wrap for another episode of the antler up podcast. I want to thank Eric for coming on. I hope you all enjoy this one. And uh, thanks for checking us out. And be sure to head over to antlerupoutdoors.com. Check out our Facebook page, Instagram, and make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube. And until next time, everybody, shoot straight, spend time with the family, go camping, go hiking, set those trail cameras up, and antler up.